Coming up on Stu Does America, I'll be joined by Curtis Hauk from Newsbusters to tell me exactly why today's news is busted. ESPN analyst Jalen Rose learns the hard way that racism is a two-way street. And do you ever feel like the left and the media are manipulating us into remembering the past differently than it was? Yeah, it's called gaslighting, and they've gotten really good at it. Let's expose that hypocrisy and do shifting liberal history. Stu does America. <sighs> it's a frustrating day. This is one of those shows that if you're, I don't know, if you're on like July 4th vacation, you're just taking in the show passively, you may be a little bit frustrated by this. It may drag you back in to the real world. And I don't want that to happen to you. The real world sucks. Uh, it really does. So let's talk a little bit about what we've been seeing lately and the way the media is trying to essentially cover up things. And it's, it, 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 it's really a, a, a foundation and a process that leads to something you could argue is pretty good. However, on the other side, there's some downsides to it as well, and we should talk about that a little bit. Let me start here with a little exchange from Peter Ducey, who until like a year ago looked like he was 14 years old. I don't know how he does it. Now he, he's starting to look like an adult to me for the first time. I, I don't understand it necessarily, but Peter Ducey, who all of a sudden is like, I just remember him coming on. He was like, isn't that like Steve Ducey's kid? And he looked like he was like, bring your son to work day. And then, like, all of a sudden, he's like this big White House correspondent, and the Biden administration has to answer all of his questions. I love it. Uh, here he is. He's asking tough questions to the Saki administration about uh, defunding the police. Watch this. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat and communities are across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address yeah. crime in their local communities. So local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus. Not. It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. <laughs> so it's Republicans who are really at fault for defunding the police. And you get these moments where there's a lot going on in your life. There's a lot to kind of keep track of. You got family stuff, you got business stuff, everybody's in economic trouble uh, coming out of the pandemic. How do you even keep track of this? Like I remember distinctly that it was the left who kept saying, defund the police. And yeah, Joe Biden kind of came out after a very long delay and did a, we don't want to defund the police entirely per se. 
And everyone's like, wow, Joe Biden stood up against the left wing of his party. It was a very throwaway uh, sort of dismissal of defund the police. I mean, look, cities all across America were doing this defund the police thing hardcore. Let me give you an example here. Here's here's uh, Bill de Blasio, the Democratic mayor of the biggest city in this country, talking about what he was doing with police. I said in our state of the city speech, quote, our young people don't need to be policed. They need to be reached. That is the spirit of the reforms we're going to talk about today and beyond. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. The details will be worked out in the budget process in the weeks ahead. But I want people to understand that we are committed to shifting resources uh, to ensure that the focus is on our young people. And I also will affirm while doing that, we will only do it in a way that we are certain continues to ensure that this city will be safe. Uh, sure, that's worked out pretty well. It moved to something like, uh, I should say, he didn't defund the police. He moved the funding away from the police. Totally different. Defunding means less funding for the police. Moving the funding means just less funding for the police, which is totally uh, fine. By the way, uh, we saw the results of what's gone on in New York. It's been a complete and utter catastrophe. So when you defund the police by something like a billion dollars and things start getting much worse, you're suddenly on the defensive. Now people are saying, hey, Jackball, why did you defund the police? Well, he's got a uh, he's got an answer for that. Here's de Blasio again. The bottom line is we are going to flood the zone in Times Square with additional officers to make sure this situation is resolved once and for all. (laughs) We are going into the summer of New York City. We have more and more activity out there, more and more jobs coming back, more and more tourists coming back. They have to be safe and they have to feel safe. So we're going to ensure that Times Square is very, very clearly well patrolled, visibly patrolled, in addition to measures you may not see, as the chief just indicated, to make sure the situation is safe for everyone. This is what precision policing is about. This is what ComStat is about. When you find a problem or a pattern, you address it, you shift resources. We'll shift as many officers as necessary to address the situation. We'll also deal very aggressively with any uh, illegal vending, any other problems that are happening in the area. That is the thing we have to do urgently at this point to keep Times Square safe and move our city forward. This is happening all the time. What you kind of do is you say, okay, well, we're going to defund the police because that's the thing of the moment. Then that policy slaps you in the face. And then you say, well, obviously what we're going to do is throw police at the problem. We're going to load every police officer that is needed will be there minus the billion dollars uh, of funding that we already cut. And then you get the White House telling you we were never for defunding the police. That was the Republicans. How does this happen exactly? Uh, how do people keep falling for it? Let me give you another example. Um, Ibram Kendi. Now, Ibram Kendi is among, I, look, first of all, he's not even a good writer, okay? He is, he's, a, he's sort of like the low-level consumer-level anti-racist. You know, he's, he's not good at this, but he, he's the type of anti-racist that gets his book in Target, right? He, this is not like a, the critical race theory at its peak, this is critical race theory. And it's like, you know, it's like the difference between, uh, you know, an, an incredible, uh, delicious burger at your favorite burger spot and, you know, like something at some fast food restaurant that, you know, it'll get you through. 
right? Like a company that hires Ibram Kendi is saying basically like, look, we need to check this anti-racism box. We obviously know this isn't, this is just, this isn't serious. We just need to spend some money to get people like Ibram Kendi off our back. That's what we need. So they hire Ibram Kendi, they hire Robin DiAngelo for those sorts of roles. Uh, you know, it's the difference between like a delicious New York style pizza, and then you kind of got the frozen Elios that you're throwing in, in, the, in the toaster oven. It still tastes like pizza, kinda. It's just not really a great version of it. So Ibram Kendi is out there now talking about uh, racism and how he's been accused over and over again of, of this idea that he's calling all white people racist, which obviously flies in the face of everything every one of us have learned since our birth, right? It's, you, you can't say all white people are racist. It doesn't make any sense, right? You have to judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I don't know where I get this idea from, but it, some famous person said it a long time ago. So here's Ibram Kendi uh, outlining um, uh, his views on racism, watch. Ibram, you've said that to get to end white privilege, you have to you have to deal with racism first, right? Yes, yeah, and I mean, as as Robin, you know, talked about it, it 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 is critical for for white people, for people uh, in general, to to stop denying their their racist ideas, to stop denying the ways in which policies have benefited them, to stop denying their racism and to realize that actually the heartbeat of racism itself is denial and the sound of that heartbeat is I'm not racist. <laughs> Does anyone see anything circuitous there? It's kind of a problem like so how I will define you and I know you're racist if you tell me you're not racist. Well, how could you ever not be racist? There's no way to escape it. You're either saying yourself that you are racist or you're saying you're not racist, which means you're racist. Does anyone see any problems here? By his definitions, obviously every white person is racist. Except that kind of bumped up against a little bit of a wall. People kind of started saying, wait a minute, you're saying all people that are white are racist. This doesn't sound right. So here's Ibram Kendi saying, no, 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 no. All white people aren't racist. Watch. Do you believe that white Americans are inherently racist? Oh, I do not. And, and indeed, in How mm. to Be an Anti-Racist, I make the case that we shouldn't believe that anyone is inherently racist oh. or that we should identify anyone as a racist. Oh, so no one is. Oh God. I mean, it, 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 there, this is the, the, the a phenomenon that keeps happening over and over again. Ibram Kendi, I, I like this because he's like he's you know, he walks around and he goes on all these TV shows and he's excited. He's like, I made up this word anti-racist. And and look at me. I, I, I you should you should be judged by this word because I went through all the trouble to make it up. And that's a fine standard, I suppose, if you're trying to create a business where you go to companies and basically hold them at gunpoint, uh, threatening that they're going to wind up being uh, caught by the racist police if they don't hire you. Okay, yeah, it's great. Come out with your little book and you know, write, write your, your book for babies uh, and they can consume that. 
and we could act like it's a really positive thing and target can put it in all their stores so they can check their anti-racist box. And we can kind of have this anti-racist thing. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, I guess he's the expert on anti-racism, considering he's basically just making the word up, right? Like he's defining it as he goes. If I said, uh, we all, to make sure that we're not racist, we all must be uh, sniffle whipple. It's very important, sniffle whipple. Everyone gets together and is no longer uh, racist. They become sniffle whipple. You just, if you just become sniffle whipple, everything will be fine. So just hire me. I will come to your company and I will tell you that you, because you took my class, are no longer sniffle whipple. Now, I'm just making up the word sniffle whipple. But since I'm making it up, I can kind of make it count as for whatever I want it to count. I can have it mean whatever I want it to mean. That's the magic of the uh, really scam that is this anti-racist training that is going around. Um, you know, Abram Kendi wants to create a department of anti-racism, which is just fantastic. I love this. Like the entire theory of white fragility, of white privilege, of anti-racism is to say, even if you're not saying like that person is a racist, right? They, they try to make this distinction. He, you heard him kind of make it in one of those clips. Where he's like, I'm not saying the person is racist. What I'm saying is everything in the system is racist and it always benefits them and uh, they're responsible for it. So you kind of have like a, it's, it's semantics. He's trying to get out of that, that bumper sticker admission of trying to say everybody is racist. But what, what's kind of funny is like, he's saying this system is so terrible that the government has been so bad over such a long period of time that it has inherently created a system in which everyone that isn't white is crushed. And his solution is literally a new government program. The, the absolute, die, this die-hard faith in government as a god is just remarkable. It really is. Um, and, you know, of course, people all the time who are going into anti-racist sort of rants talk all the time about how all we white people are racist. This isn't something that we're imagining. Once again, they're coming to you and saying what you thought you remembered about this wasn't true. It's gaslighting. Here's another uh, situation. This is uh, White Fragility uh, author Robin D'Angelo. She says, yes, all white people are complicit with racism. Uh, people will insist that they are not racist, that, uh, you know, they'll say, uh, I've traveled a lot. I speak lots of languages. I had a black roommate in college. I have a minority myself. This kind of evidence that many white people use to exempt themselves from racism in the system, it is not possible to be exempt from it. It's not possible to be exempt from it. Uh, she goes on and on and on and on and on. Let's see if I give you one more little clip here. Um, and let, and let me move on to this one because this one's even more ridiculous. Yet this one is from Marley Kay on Medium. Yes, my dear, all white people are racist. <laughs> now, I don't know what she's saying. Is she saying white people are racist? I'm, I don't know. She's saying my dear. So maybe she's being nice about it. She says, first, learn what racism is and what it's not. I need white people to understand that all white people are racist. Yes, my dears, all white people are racist. All of them. Even people, she goes through a bunch of lists here, like, oh, people, white people say, I don't say the N-word. Well, that doesn't make you racist. Also, people who have a biracial child are not racist. People who date black women or men. People who are married 
to black women or men. They, they're, they're racist too, guys. Um, all white people are racist. And the fact that you need a special out, like not all white people, um, is disheartening because it says to me you are a racist, but you're in denial about it. She goes on to talk about how black people cannot be racist because reverse racism does not exist. So just to boil this down for you, all white people are racist. All black people are not racist. To say it another way, all people in my race have good characteristics associated with them, and all people of that other race have bad characteristics associated with them. What would you call that line of thinking? Is there a word for it? I don't know. When you assign a characteristic to a skin color that is not yours and that you don't like, and it's negative, what would you call it? I'd call it racism. And guess what? You just proved uh, the opposite of your point. Because apparently, if you're black and you write something like, all white people are bad, then yes, you, my dear, are a racist. What? Big, big news for everybody's favorite protein bar company, Built Bar. It's now the official sponsor of the Olympic USA track and field team. Listen, if you haven't had a Built Bar yet, you are really missing out, and that's because Built Bar knows that flavor comes first. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious, di delicious flavors, uh, plus the occasional limited time flavor? We're talking about coconut, we're talking about uh, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, all the flavors, there's something for everybody. Plus they have a mixed box. You can try two of each of the nine flavors. They have limited edition flavors going on all the time. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories. This is like, it's a dream. I will say it's a change the way uh, my wife eats. It's changed the way my refrigerator looks because there's always Built Bars in there now. Go to Built.com, Built.com. Go to Built.com, promo code is Stu15. You're gonna save 15% off your first order. Stu15 is the promo code for 15% off at Built.com, Built.com. 15% off with the promo code Stu15. Hey, don't forget to head to your favorite podcast provider and subscribe to this very podcast. Don't forget to rate us five stars, which is the appropriate number of stars. And leave us a nice review. You know, something short. It's great. Whatever. You can find all the links you need at stewdoesamerica.com. Welcome to the program. It's Curtis Hauk. He's the managing editor for Newsbuster. Uh, Curtis, how's it going? Doing good. Great to be with you, Stu. Uh, thanks for coming on. I will say, like, they always give me these bios for all the guests. And, and a lot of times it's just, you know, it's a bunch of lists of all your accomplishments. You, however, have a, 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 one I want to read, at least the beginning of this. Curtis Houck is the managing editor of Newsbusters, whose beats include the White House press briefing and MSNBC's The Readout, which is Joy Reid's show. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I wonder sometimes, Stu, if I should ask about hazard pay sometimes because <laughs> it is pretty terrible. I thought I needed hazard pay for watching Chris Matthews, but watching Joy Reid over the last year, oh boy. Yeah, I, I, honestly, and I mean this in all sincerity, if I were to single out the single worst host on all of left-wing crazy cable news, it would be Joy Reid. I mean, she is not only the, the most insane, but also knows almost nothing about the subjects she's talking about. No, she's just venomous. She's poisonous. 
she's really bad for America. You know, it's really difficult to describe just how bad she is every day. You know, her latest thing is talking about critical race theory. She claims that conservatives and Republicans don't want to talk about slavery and racism in America, that somehow their view of history is kind of like China's during the Cultural Revolution, where we're just going to white negate the fact that millions and millions of people were killed or that Tiananmen Square didn't happen. That's her view of people on the right. And just like with a lot of stories that we've been seeing recently, including the defund police story, it relies on the stupidity of their viewers and trying to dumb down the rest of us into thinking that their gaslighting, you know, is working and that it, their narrative is actually true. That yes, conservatives and Republicans only want this flowery view of American history and that, you know, the founders were without sin and that the rest of us were without sin and that, you know, nobody wants to learn about the bad parts of American history and that Republicans, yes, we're the party that want to defund police. We don't support police officers. It's really ridiculous. It's kind of Orwellian, but I think Orwellian after the last Last five years with the the Trump era, we're a little tired of hearing about that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I every once in a while I think, do they really believe this stuff? Like, did they really believe that we went to school and didn't learn that slavery was bad? I, I, that's no, I was never. I never heard the good side of slavery. I never heard a positive argument for it. It has always been correctly taught as being horrific and the, a huge stain on our country's history. Though we don't wipe out all of the good things the country has done because of it. That's a very sane teaching of history, and it's one they want wiped off the map. Yeah, it's very simple, Stu. Nuance. They're, they're lacking nuance yeah. here. The issue here is whether it's critical race theory or defund the police, they're not really willing to engage in actual debate here. Um, you know, you look at, the, I saw it was a Pew study last week that found that Twitter users as a whole, if it were a state, would be D plus 15, mm. and that the top 10 Twitter users would be D plus 43, which if it were a congressional district, would be the second most liberal district in the country here. So this is the narrative uh, that people are catering to here on MSNBC and CNN and ABC, CBS, NBC, The New York Times uh, and all the rest here, that they're basing their views and they're testing their narratives uh, that they want to put out before voters, before Twitter users here, which is like catering things to the squad, running things by the squad. If something sounds good to them, it must be good for the rest of America. And obviously that's not true at all here. So yeah, between stupidity catering to their core base here. It's just a real dangerous media ecosystem that we have right now. And I would say it was comical, and it sometimes is. Uh, you know, you look back to the days of Chris Matthews when he'd say something ridiculous, like his leg thrill. Um, <laughs> but but now we're in a different era now, Stu, where it's, it's just genuinely dangerous stuff here, where Joy Reid is running around saying Joe Manchin loves the filibuster more than he loves America. And she had a guest say that Joe Manchin wished his colleagues were all killed on January 6th. Mm. I mean, come on. Yeah, it really is ugly. Now, there's a huge gap in my mind between, I don't agree with everything that Jake Tapper says, but there's a huge gap between Jake Tapper and someone like Joy Reid. But really across the board, no matter what, position you are in that sort of mainstream media ratings are down they're down in a very big way i think uh donald trump is probably somewhere celebrating that hey he, he loves that that fact <laughs> but it is true it's like you know they hated trump so much 
And it really was uh, the only thing driving their business. I mean, no, they weren't doing anything innovative. People just wanted to hate watch Donald Trump so much that people came to their channels. But now that he's gone, all, they're all gone, too. Yeah, they're try that's why they're trying to find the latest boogeyman, Ron DeSantis, trying to blame him for the building collapse in Florida. No. I mean, that, that's so ridiculous. This building was built when he was, I don't know, before he was in kindergarten here. <laughs> you know, critical race theory, trying to say that don't believe your lying eyes. Critical race theory is just something really innocent and you probably know it already and it's really not that destructive. That white people aren't actually inherent racists as Ibrahim X. Kendi tried to claim last night on jury despite his entire career showing that he believes otherwise. Republicans are the ones that want to defund the police here. They're test driving all of these narratives and they're all flailing. Ratings are down by two thirds. CNN has lost over 70% of its viewership here. It's pretty pitiful here, but they're embracing it. They think it's great. Uh, you turn on New Day and Brianna Keeler's yelling explicatives about Rand Paul. I mean, what good does that do? Does that inform you? The news should, at the very least should be you learn something substantive and constructive that you didn't know beforehand. Learning the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and you're not doing that anymore. It's because these J schools basically act like safe space, 1619 project, you know, curriculum based uh, gobbledygook nonsense here. And that's the issue where we point out things like the 1619 project and defund the police. These things are just factually not true. And that really, that's all we want here. We can't actually have a debate with these folks if what they're saying is just not true. Yeah, that does seem to be sort of the 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 point here i think there's a lot of there's an intentional sort of confusion that is put out there mm. uh for uh, for the average person and they just you know you kind of want to throw your hands up and i think like there's a it's an interesting part of of this whole arc that we're in right now which is i think like the left does this a lot they take these really crazy left-wing positions say to defund the police and they think it's their moment, right? Like Barack Obama was going to lead to, you know, a Republican president was never going to be elected again. And so they're in that moment and they go for it. Uh, here, they're in the same moment, Donald Trump is the most evil guy in the world, so they're going to go for defund the police. You know, then they realize that a good chunk of their own audience is like, wait a minute, this is nuts. They've, they, they kind of bounce up against this wall and they back off a little bit. You know, it make, you know, critical race theory. Conservatives, the average person becomes aware of it. They push back on it. They don't want their kids learning that you should judge people based on skin color. That's what we're supposed to avoid. So they push back on it. But we don't push back on it enough to get it back to where it was. They always just gain a little bit of ground each time they do this. And this is sort of progressivism in action. You know, our wins come from making people aware and having them wake up a little bit and push back a little bit. And their wins come from the difference between the original position and what we've pushed back to. And that's why it feels like all the time we're always moving left. What do you, what do you think about that theory? No, I think I was going to say you, uh, Pat and Glenn, have talked about this for years now. It's really kind of an Overton window sort of situation. Mm -hmm. I looked at the polling here. When defund the police started, only 16 percent of Americans supported it. And yet this becomes a huge platform plank, so to speak, if the presidential election were held this year, it certainly would be a part of it, that we need to defund the police here. H.R. 1, For the People Act, is another example of that. You had pundits running around saying that if they don't pass the For the People Act, Democrats will never win another election. 
or there won't even be another election. A.B. Stoddard said that a few weeks ago. She's an editor at Real Clear Politics and appears on Brett Baer's show, uh, at least she used to. I mean, that's just utterly insane stuff here. So they stake out this really radical position, and the, uh, you know we try to make people aware of it and conservatives, and we try to inch the divide back. But, you know, they continue to hedge and hedge and hedge their bets here with these far outlandish outcomes that you try to convince people of your position or even close to that so the progressives can then declare victory. So it's really incumbent upon conservatives here that even though we're seeing the tide start to turn on those issues, H.R. 1, you know, we've always had support for voter ID, things like critical race theory and support for law enforcement. We need to continue to push. You can't let your foot off the gas because these people are playing for keeps here. As we see with CNN and MSNBC, they don't care what the ratings are because they know that they have a narrative to accomplish and they have their eyes on the prize. So for conservatives, while we think we're gaining, and we certainly have in the last six months, you're even gas prices is another issue. You need to keep the foot on the gas because they are too, and they're playing for keeps. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, this is how we win, right? We push back against these things, but this is mm -hmm. also how we lose. You know, you mentioned 16%, probably by the next presidential election, that number will be 25% of Democrats. And then a few years after that, it'll be 35 and it'll continue to come. I mean, how many issues are, are progressing this way? It seems to happen over and over and over again. I mean, can you imagine if five to eight years ago, uh, the NFL released an ad saying football is lesbian? Like, what wouldn't no one would make everyone would be like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? It'd be the most bizarre thing in the world. Now it's like standard fare. Uh, you know, I've got Procter and Gamble tell, teaching me about what love is between two transgendered people on their ads. It's like, don't you make tide? I, I don't, I don't <laughs> right. what it, why are you telling me this? It has really, the culture really has moved uh, an awful lot. And I think it makes people on the right, you know, really look at this and say, what do we do? I mean, I, how do you stop this? Right. Yeah. Procter & Gamble's latest things, too, I saw last week is everyone thinks black people are scary, angry people who want to rob grocery stores and, you know, women are pregnant and alone. Uh, all these stereotypes. And I'm like, yeah, you make Tide and you make Swiffer wipes for me to clean my floors. Like, are you kidding me here? Or make deodorant, you know, Old Spice. Just let me like have the smelly nice clean shower in peace like come on this is so ridiculous here you see it with all of these corporate groups over the last years they're so scared of the leftist base here they're not scared of the right they insist that we'll stick with them and not push back at all or we, we will make waves but we'll kind of go along with it we'll take it laying down here um you reach a certain point where everything becomes mentally dangerous here, specifically on race here, suggesting that people are irredeemably racist, that if you're white, you're born and you're born, you're like, you're basically a crime by suggesting that, you know, your very existence is oppression to people. You're going to teach kids in middle school that? Give me a break here. And you look at Nevada, I believe, for the Miss USA or Miss America pageant, mm. a man won that contest. Transgender woman won. Okay, so that's really where we're at. If you told us that five years ago or even 10 years ago that a man would win Miss Nevada, uh, it's incredible here. And it just shows that, yes, how far the left has done a good of a job they've done. But also in the right, we need to look and see how how do we allow this to become such a narrative where we kind of shrug our shoulders like, well, of course this happens. 
Well, Newsbusters have, for a very long time has been doing a great work making sure the left does not get away with this stuff. Curtis Houck is the managing editor there. I, I want to flag one piece uh, from you guys uh, last day or two. You guys called out an article, I think it was from 1995, from the New York Times about the climate, where they predicted by 2020 uh, there would be no more beaches on the east coast of the country. <laughs> and they didn't even say this was the worst case scenario. They said it was the most likely scenario. Uh, and uh, you guys dug that one up. I don't know how you guys I, find all I this I was stuff. on a beach last week, Stu, so I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's shocking. I hope you survived it. Curtis Houck, managing editor of Newsbusters. Thanks so much for coming on the program. Anytime, Stu. You should know I'm extremely grateful that you've chosen to do America with me, Stu, here at The Blaze. You could do, there's other people you could choose to do America with, but instead you chose me and I appreciate it. It's a good feeling. You know, it's not a good feeling, wokeness. You know why? Wokeness is weakness. You know it's true. I know it's true. It's on a t-shirt. It's got to be true. And you can get one of those t-shirts right now at wokenessisweakness.com. Wokenessisweakness.com. Your very own Wokeness is Weakness shirt. Now, if you, let's say you don't have the Wokeness is Weakness shirt. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know if I believe it. Is Wokeness really that weak? To prove that point, let me uh, give you the latest advertisement from the NFL. Football is gay. Football is lesbian. Football is beautiful. Football is queer, exciting, transgender. Uh, oh my God, this is so bad. Football is freedom. It's accepting. It is everything. For everyone. NFL. So, let me give you the rundown of all the fancy flash words there. They said football is lesbian. Football is beautiful. Football is queer. Football is life. Football is exciting. Football is culture. Football is transgender. Football is queer again. Is queer in there twice? Is it because of the two Q's? Queer and questioning are the two Q's, guys. It's not queer, queer. Come on. Uh, football is heart. Football is power. Football is tough. Football is bisexual. Hmm. Football is strong. Football is freedom. Football is American. Football is accepting. Football is for everyone. Football is for everyone. Uh, football is everything. And then football is for everyone. So here's the thing. Maybe football isn't about sex at all. I, why the heck are you talking about sex? The most commonly associated uh, headline when it comes to sex and the NFL is usually when someone's doing it to someone who isn't willing to do it with them. Uh, that, that keeps happening. You see that? I don't see that in your little headlines here. Football is for rapists. It's not all rapists, of course, but uh, we've had a couple of issues. We've had a couple of murderers slip in there. Look, it's not always going to be super clean. Any group of people, you're going to have some bad people in there. Uh, but I will say it is a very strange thing that people feel the need to do this. We should go into more of this tomorrow because I just I can't I can't understand what this is. Is there no, is, is who you have sex with need to penetrate every single aspect of society? Who the hell cares who you have sex with? I don't care. I don't want to know anything about what you do in a bedroom. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I don't have to know. You do your thing. Let me do mine. You don't want to know what I'm doing. Certainly. No one wants to know that. This is something that we can all kind of keep private. Remember our private lives? 
I don't know why we can't just kind of do that. I don't know why this has to be a part of everything. Let me just have one aspect of society that is not about your sexual orientation. You know, they, they, we, we're, we're doing this. We do this thing called Stu Eats America. As you can tell, I'm in the process of eating the entire country. Uh, and one of the things we try all these kind of junk foods and stuff, and we have a box of the altogether cereal. Now, I don't care uh, about uh, I don't want I don't want any sexual preference involved in my cereal. That sounds like a really bad combination. I mean, I, I want to see if the cereal tastes good, obviously. Uh, but can't we have breakfast without talking about your private parts? I, is that that strange of a request? I don't understand. Um, bringing wokeness is weakness to sports a little further. Jalen Rose has had to walk back comments arguing that Kevin Love was selected for Team USA to be a token white player. He said, this level of, I've got a word for it, Kevin Love is on the team because of tokenism. Don't be uh, scared uh, to make an all-black team representative uh, of the United States of America. I'm disappointed by that. Anybody who watched the league for this year knows Kevin Love did not have a stellar season. He was hurt. Um, he was not the best player on his team and did not necessarily deserve to be on this squad. And I'm not going to take him off the squad uh, and not... And I'm not going to take, I, I mean, again, we should, uh, we should focus on teaching English in school, okay? Just gonna, just straight out, we need people to say words in the right order. You can't, again, this is the same thing that we're having with wokeness. You don't just get to make up new words and have them mean whatever you want. When you're talking, when you have a sentence going and you have a flow of words, try to keep them in the correct order. Anyway, uh, he's apologizing for these comments now. He's saying, uh, but you know why I'm apologizing right now? To the game. Because I'm what the game made me. The game made you not be able to speak the like. I don't know what, I don't. I will say like, what do you mean the game made you? The game made you a racist? Wait a minute, Stu, you can't call uh, him a racist. Why are you calling him a racist? He's literally requesting an all black team. I don't care if if merit uh, does, is uh, proves that uh, every player on the team should be black. I'm totally fine with that. I don't think we need to balance it out by color. Don't care about your quotas. But like you're requesting an all black team. The fact that one white person got on the team is pissing you off. What? That's just racism. You can't have one. We have, a, we have a country that's made up of 75% white people and not one is allowed on the Olympic team? I, got, I, I don't know. I think you could easily not put Kevin Love on the team this year. He's a little older. He's been hurt. Um, but I just, I don't even understand this. And beyond that, I mean, Jalen Rose, who cares? Let me tell you about uh, Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James. James came out and he said, they all... I can't. They all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. These injuries isn't just part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest. That's what LeBron James tweeted. If you can decipher what that meant, you're a much smarter man than I. Uh, but I will say... Basically, he's saying, okay, there was all these injuries, and it's because we started the season too early. Remember, the COVID season ran late, so they had to start the season without a long time of rest. Okay, 
so these guys made it through 70 games not getting hurt. The fact that they got hurt in the playoffs is because they didn't have an extra few weeks off in the offseason. It's so dumb. Uh, but Shaquille O'Neal, who, by the way, was my LeBron James when I was younger. I hated Shaquille O'Neal. And he won me over because he's not an idiot. He says, look, hey, when, you, when you're living in a world where 40 million people have been laid off and you're making $200 million, you don't get any complaining from me. I play back to back to back to back to back to back. Because he's a winner. He's a winner, unlike LeBron. By the way, don't be a LeBron. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. You can get that t-shirt now. Don't be a LeBron.com. Back in a second. What's going to come out of this Miami thing? I mean, first of all, we're talking about a lot of people who are going to lose their lives. And there's a lot, a long paper trail of issues with this, this condo complex. They found all sorts of cracks. They have all sorts of pictures. They have all sorts of reports from engineers. I mean, I've heard engineers say, like, we didn't think it was going to fall down. But, it, you know, there's definitely issues with it that needed to be repaired. Uh, my favorite part of the story, though, is how they're like, hey, if you happen to live in the exact same tower a mile down the road, don't worry, you don't need to evacuate it. Everything's fine in, in the one. This has got the same name. One of them says, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, what is it? Um, Ch- uh, Champlain, Champlain Towers South. The other one's Champlain Towers East. That one's fine. Just keep living there. No big deal. I would get the hell out of there as fast as possible. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is awful. And he's got an AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com. He's also got a, uh, a new uh, series of complaints by people who are upset that he's bulldozing a park to put a bunch of concrete statues in there to represent uh, COVID heroes. I assume it's just going to be a giant, like a giant rotating statue of his own head. That's, that's basically what I think he's going to do, although the reports are it's going to be some first responders. There's apparently 13 kinds of first responders. Uh, you know he's slipping himself in there on a motorcycle somehow. I don't know how that's going to happen. Also, uh, in just a continuation of all of our big cities sucking, San Francisco has had a bit of an issue. The Chronicle is reporting there's been a slight increase in car break-ins in the central district of San Francisco. This is in the tourist area. Uh, Police have increased patrols trying to stop that, which is weird. Why don't they just defund the police? Maybe that would solve it. You know, Um, so far, by the way, um, there it's up a bit. Uh, 753%. But just the 753%, without the Democratic leadership of that city, it could have been 1,000% or 15,000%. It's not. It's only up 753%. So relax. Relax. Back in a second. A 62-year-old man in Wyoming called the Campbell County Sheriff's Office uh, on Thursday. And he had some good questions. Uh, He asked why, uh, first of all, uh, uh, he asked why are there 10 young men following him? Okay, that's a good question. Every single time that happens to you, you should call the police and ask that question. That's a good question. Okay. Then he also asked why he hadn't been arrested yet because he was using meth. Okay. Now, these are both good questions. Why wasn't he arrested? Now, luckily, the police were there to take care of that problem. They hadn't been defunded in this particular area, and they came to his house and arrested him. But we talked about yesterday about a man who was on meth driving to a prison to turn himself in, and now they're calling the cops to confess the same thing. 
I'm just saying here, uh, is meth the most responsible drug out there? Now, I think it's time that we finish the glamorization of uh, methamphetamine that uh, Breaking Bad started all those years ago. Embrace this. This is a good thing. This is making people more responsible. When you're not biting someone's face off, you're a much more civic-minded individual. And that's always a positive. Uh, let me uh, tell you before we go that we have, of course, wonderful programming all the time here on Blaze TV. Tomorrow, Glenn has a big special on Blaze TV after this show. I mean, but think of the hosts. You got Steven Crowder, you got Mark Levin, you got uh, Jason Whitlock starting soon. You got uh, Chad Prather, you got uh, The News and Why It Matters with Sarah Gonzalez. All these great shows are on for your enjoyment at blazetv.com slash stew. All you gotta do is enter the promo code stew. You'll save 10 bucks off that subscription. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. We will see you tomorrow.